Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Institute for Policy Innovation podcast. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, the president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. Today is August 24th, 2023, and I'm joined in studio today by IPI's resident scholar, Dr. Merrill Matthews, and by IPI's director of development and events, Addie Crimmins. And today we're going to talk about our thoughts about the first Republican presidential debate of the 2024 presidential campaign, which Mm -hmm. was last night. So this is not like a sort of immediate, you know, in in the moments afterward reaction. It's more like, okay, well, we've had a few hours to think about it and see what sticks. And we've had a few hours to see what other people that we respect think about it. So I kind of like the fact that We've had a little bit of time to mull over it and think about it before having to give right. a reaction. And, and see how other people, as you say, were responding yeah. and thought about it. Because there is value in seeing how it, because sometimes things strike other people differently than they strike you, mm-hmm. you know. So why don't we make a couple of uh, a couple of observations just first of all about the format, because there's been some criticism about it, and I think the criticism is good. First of all, I have come to despise having an audience at a political debate. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? I, I just think the audience... They Brett, they derail things. They take up time. What do you think? And and I think the candidates sometimes play to the audience. Right. And Brett Bear had to turn around one time and say, "The more you keep up this noise, right. the less time we have to actually deal with the issue." Right. What do you think, Adi? Audience, and, and yes or no? While while that was appropriate for Brett Bear to do, it almost seemed more reactive than proactive, and it was sort of him trying to get a handle on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also couldn't gauge what the temperature of the audience was in terms of uh, which candidate they favored. I couldn't tell when they were going to boo or clap yeah. and it was distracting and they were chiding them almost like children. And so that, I think that was very distracting. It reminded me a little bit about the thing CNN did a couple months ago with Trump and they made the mistake of allowing the whole audience to be filled with Trump supporters, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of like, you know, uh, the, the, C- the woman from CNN who was doing the moderating was like she was in the lion's den. Yeah. <laughs> she, had, she had Trump in front of her and, and a couple thousand Trump supporters behind her. I just, I've come to despise the audience. I, I, I know that they're trying to put on a spectacle. I know that. And I know the audience contributes to the spectacle. But I, I would just rather as much time as possible, especially when you got eight people on stage, give as much time to them. As possible, and I think that's perfectly reasonable because you, the audience comes, but you don't necessarily need them, and they end up being something of a distraction yeah. with their responses. And you know, in this case, they sometimes booed people, mm-hmm. and other times they cheered. And some candidates they cheered, others they booed, but it wasn't necessarily. I mean, if if Chris Christie said something that they liked, they cheered. Yeah. And so, and part of what I think is going on here, unless I have this wrong. Presidential debates used to be put on by like a bipartisan presidential debate commission. And somehow we've turned it over now to the networks, you know? And so it was clear Fox was trying to put on a spectacle, right? They, they ran several video clips at the beginning. You know, they played the clip of that song that, that is going viral on social media. We, sh- we should get into that. Okay, I think will, that, will, will, that was, know. but also it, it has a sort of air of, to Brett Bear's point, you have a certain amount of time allotted and you're wasting it by wrangling the audience. And I think that's sort of does a disservice to anyone who's watching the debate to just gather information about who they might want to vote for. Yeah. I mean, if if you think about the fact that at least six minutes in, we had not heard yet from one of the candidates 
And then if you think about the various delays throughout the two hours, you're getting up probably around 10 minutes of time that was lost. And for some of the people on the platform, that's as much time as they got the whole time, you know? <laughs> so that is a lot of lost time. Since we're talking about the format, yeah. can we mention that every male had a blue suit, white shirt, and some variation of a red tie? Every male. Okay, this is interesting because I did not notice that. I noticed that. When I first okay. saw one, then I saw another. I thought, that's kind of interesting because they had the, the dark blue suit, the white yeah. shirt, and the red tie. Yeah. And then over there, Christy has a little, had a little print on his tie and... Somebody else had, uh, Brett Bear had a little stripe on his tie, but every male, every candidate, and Brett Bear all had dark blue suits, white shirts, and red ties. Did you notice that? I didn't. I did notice that I thought Nikki Haley looked very well put together. Yep. Yes. Yep. She, she, uh, she, she presented um, soft, beautiful, but not, um, not harsh. Uh, and it, it, it's difficult to be a woman on that stage. I think you mm -hmm. have a, a difficult task of what you want to convey aesthetically. And I thought she, yeah. I thought she looked excellent. Particularly when you're the only woman on the stage, right? right? I mean, right. It, 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 and of course we'll, I think we'll talk more later about how good a job Nikki Haley did in a lot of ways. But my point there is of course it had to be arranged. You, you couldn't have that many. When I f f saw the first two or three, I thought, whoa, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. you think this answered. was planned? I think that was planned. I don't think everybody would have worn a oh, red tie, white shirt, dark blue coat. Well, he, I, I did not notice everyone wearing the same costume, but I will tell you what I did notice. I did notice that Vivek <laughs> looked a little too put together <laughs> for a guy. And that, that, that colored my view, I think, of the whole debate. And I think as we talk about the debate, I think we'll get into that, too. He had on this, he had a spread collar. Right. Which With is a wide knot. Which is a little fancier than a normal business dress shirt. And it had the huge wide knot, which was like the opposite of Christy. Of course, Christy has to look from, Christy can't look that put together just because of his size. But I just, I just thought that Vivek, literally in the way he was dressed, he looked a little precious, mm -hmm. even, before, even before the debate even started. My thought was he looked like money. He okay. was, yeah. he was yeah. tailored to a T. He mm -hmm. wasn't tailored in the sort of obligatory fashion that someone who runs for president is tailored. He, he was tailored yeah. in that he yeah. would belong to a high-end club. I mean, yeah. it, it, those of us from small towns can can sniff out someone who, who's got a very expensive tailor. <laughs> you're not one of us. Yeah. You, and, you're not one of us. And the other thing about the ties, again, I did not notice they were all wearing red ties. His was particularly bright. Yes, and shiny. Yes, his was like satiny bright. I can't believe we're spending this much time talking about clothes. But, yeah. but again, I didn't notice this, so that's actually kind of interesting. Okay, so I think you were getting ready to talk. When we, when we were talking about who got how much time, I think you've got the data on how, how many people got how many how many minutes, right? And the one thing that I remember hearing is that it was somehow, to, to, to most people's surprise, Pence ended up with actually the most speaking moments, right? Right. Mm -hmm. he, he got an awful lot of time. For the most time, we had Pence with 12, 12 minutes, 37 seconds, Ramaswamy, 11.47, Christie, 11.22, which I was a little surprised that he got that much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, DeSantis, 10.22, uh, and then Haley, only 8.41, which I thought she might have gotten a little more. Scott, 8.15. Uh, Burgum eight and uh, Hutchison seven thirty three. That's really astonishing, um, Addie. When you when when you listen to those times and you find out that Nikki Haley had around the same amount of time as Tim Scott and Burgum, it just kind of shines a light on just how 
terrific she was with her time, you know, because I think anybody that watched that debate had her coming out in the top two or three. And, you know, one of the things I don't quite understand is when when Mike Pence and Ramaswamy are going after each right. other, or are they both getting counted right, right. for time so for that? When, so, you were reading those times, when you were reading those times, I was thinking, well, if they're both talking at the same, you know, if you total all these up, it's like it comes to more than 100%. Right. I, I, did, <laughs> because, I didn't do that. Because there were people who were talking at the same time. You would have some of the other things that were going on there with the breaks and, and things yeah, of that yeah. nature. But, yeah, it, it's not clear to me if if Pence and Ramaswamy got time for when they were talking over each other, then you'd almost sort of de- diminish it by three or four minutes because there was a, a fair amount of time there. They're screaming at each other, and I can't really tell what either one's saying. Okay, let's not yet get into who we think did well and who we think did not do as well. Let's just talk, do like overall impressions, right? My overall impression was that that was actually a very worthwhile and productive debate. I mean, sometimes you watch a debate, it's kind of like, eh, you know, nobody actually accomplished anything. I thought that was really worth doing and worth watching. I think I think you came away from that with a much better feel. I did, at least, with a much better feel of who all those people were. And, you know, what was important to them, how they were able to hold their own. It was not a, to me, it was not a blah debate. What did you think, Addie? I think there's a difference between how everyone performed and did they confirm our thoughts of them? Did they disappoint? And what it would actually translate in a primary and a general. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think it could be argued that Nikki Haley had a strong night, mm-hmm. that Vivek had a strong night. If only for, uh, and we can get into this with the specific candidates, but you you do want to be noticed on a debate stage. I mean, whether or not you're making clear points or your arguments resonate, you you don't want to fade into the background. And Vivek certainly stood out. Right. Um, The question I think at the end of the day is, will this translate either in a primary or a general? So it's I, I think it's hard to tell with overall impressions. Maybe so-and-so had a good night, but is this going to change the trajectory? Well, here's, yeah, and I don't think it changes the trajectory, at least as far as I can tell. But as to your point, um, I think it was a very important thing that they did this because uh, Donald Trump has sucked so much air out of the room over the media and so forth. You you said, well, what does Doug Burgum stand for? What does, why why aren't I hearing anything from Nikki Haley? This allowed you to hear something because the media simply are not covering them very much. And so you don't know. I'm Mike Pence. I know Mike Pence. I don't know, you know, what he's doing and what he's uh, there because so much news coverage goes to the trials, Donald Trump and the other things. It's just hard to have them break through. And at least now you got a chance to hear from them. I think it's a really good point. And that was not one that occurred to me, but it's one I've heard several people make, which is that. You know, by the way, I thought that the line of the night was the thing about the elephant that's not in the room. Yes. Of course, it doesn't count because it was a moderator's line. It wasn't a candidate's line. But the, it wasn't clear to me that this was going to be the dynamic. But the dynamic was with Trump out of the way, you actually do get to focus on and listen to other people. Mm-hmm. And you do come away with the idea, you know, we do have several people here who are very impressive. We do. And and you know, I, I would and just, as you say, they get no oxygen from the from the media. I mean, Vivek, I think, has been getting a lot of oxygen from Fox News. Oh, but, and I've seen news stories that Rupert Murdoch was urging Fox News to pump him. OK. And I've seen that over the past couple of weeks. And I thought that's kind of interesting. I thought that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And 
when they went, when Brett Baer afterwards did this, his spin room, he goes to Laura Ingram and Laura Ingram keeps talking about Vivek. Yeah. Uh, it just, it, I looked at that and I thought, I don't know that I believe those news stories, but now it looks like they've, there may be some truth to them. Well, I had to tune away from Fox. I didn't watch the Fox spin because I, I could predict what it was going to be. So mm-hmm. I just, I actually went over to CNN to actually watch the sort of debate reaction, which, which again is also a weird, a weird dynamic that you're covering the reaction to a debate that you didn't carry on your own, on your own network. So, uh, but you mentioned the impressiveness of some of the candidates. I was yeah. just looking over the list. Six of them are, are either governors or former governors. That's important. I think almost all of them had been reelected at one point. Yeah. And that's important. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I got, I got a little perturbed at Ramaswamy, um, accusing them of all being on the take, being pack puppets and things of that nature. These are people who've had, who've won elected office and had to make serious decisions, sometimes controversial decisions. And if you've never held elective office and you've never had to make that public decision, which might mean some people lose things, people get hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, It's easy to be a critic in that. I I want to get to Vivek because I think there's a lot to talk about that. But okay, go ahead, Addie. I was going to say. Well, just to Dr. Matthew's point, uh, the quote was, I'm the only person on stage who isn't bought and paid for. Yes. And it seems uh, sure, but there's a lot, a lot of hard work goes into fundraising. I am biased in that I think governors make really good presidents because it's different to legislate than it is to govern. To deal with, I mean, even to Chris Christie's point, natural disasters, Vivek had this this um, jab about him hugging Barack Obama, but he was not dealing with Hurricane Sandy. Right. None of us are really fans of Barack Obama, but that that's not um, a reflection on his ability to govern. Um, so I, I think there's there's a, a point to that. But I think the the Trump question could have gone two ways. I think to again to Dr. Matthew's point, it was important that. Because if he would have been on stage, it would have been this exchange of insults and it would have everything would have been reactive to Trump and whatever he said and just defensive. And he he's a brawler. Trump Mm -hmm. is. And so we got to sort of bear down on Ukraine and education and COVID issue, abortion issue Mm -hmm. without getting distracted with with name calling. But I do think to uh, uh, to, again, to dig on the moderators again. They said, let's address the elephant, elephant not in the room, but they never really did. Nobody could articulate why they would be a better president or primary candidate. You know, mm-hmm. Vivek, he, he seems to be sort of a, a Trump stand-in, which makes me suspicious that he just wants to have a spot in his cabinet, yeah. have a, a role. So uh, uh, nobody really ever addressed Trump. And I think at the end of the day, we didn't incentivize Trump to participate in the next debate in September. I think if I were Trump, I would say, I am so glad I sat this one out. Why would I ever participate again? And that's really concerning to me. Well, it, it, it is interesting how different, you're right, how different it was with Trump not there than it would have been with Trump there. And of course, as because I am not a Trump fan and because I think that the Republican Party needs to move on from Trump, I liked it better that he was not there again for some of the reasons we talked about that we got to actually hear other people's ideas and how other people were going to react to criticism and pressure and all that sort of thing. Uh, And I do think, Addie, that it was um, kind of ludicrous for Vivek, the least experienced person on the stage, to basically be 
bashing everybody else as if they're like on the take or something like that. I, I just, that just really struck I, me as just did, crazy. He, he, he did take a number of, I think, appropriate licks on that. I mean, yeah. Mike Pence said it's not time for, you know, a, I don't remember his exact words, but Mike Pence had a, we're not somebody training talked somebody. about on the job training. On, I don't yeah. that, that it was Pence. Pence. And okay. then Nikki yeah. Haley said, you don't know anything about foreign policy yeah. and it shows. Which, and that was really effective. Uh, which, which, which I think was actually the strongest, most memorable line of the night by any of them was that they, and it shows. But one more thing about that, because yeah. Vivek, uh, stressed his money, you know, he's, I'm, I've made money. I've made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I, it still bothers me. You don't, I don't want a politician who's necessarily made a lot of money and doesn't have to, uh, doesn't have to go out and raise funds. Raising yeah. funds forces you to ask people what's important to them. And remember, Donald Trump was ran by saying, "I'll will finance my own campaign." He did not do it. I right. never believed he would. Right. But if you if you're it's if like you're Obama wrong, wasn't going to take any federal funds, and then he did. Right? <laughs> So it it just it bothers me when you're trying to stress I'm the rich guy up here, and I he's not the only one because right. Bergam has made Bergham, a lot of money. Right, yeah. uh, but I'm the rich guy, so I don't have to be, I don't have to kowtow to other people's interests and so forth. I think he when felt fact, like do. yeah. I think he felt like I think he knew he had a vulnerability that there were some really seriously experienced people on the stage, and that was one of the things yeah. I looked at this and I thought most of these people would make really good presidents, but to Addie's point. I'm not sure any of them convinced me that they were as candidate for it. Yeah. There's one other thing I want to say sort of that's much more general. And I think it's funny because this is one of those things, you know, Addie and I were talking a little while ago about Twitter X, but I'm always going to call it Twitter, is particularly useful on a night like that when Mm -hmm. there's some major event going on and you're seeing other people's takes in real time and you're seeing how things strike. You know, when he went on and on, when Vivek went on and on saying Trump was the greatest president of the 21st century, my first thought is, then why are you running against him? <laughs> you, why don't you join his campaign? Why yeah. are you running against him? And so I put that on Twitter, and it's like everybody else did too. You know, it, it was such an it was such an obvious question. If you're such a fan of Trump, why are you running against him for right. the nomination? It makes no sense. Very well, good point. And being wealthy, no matter how you arrived at that point, and how however admirable it is, it almost gives me a feeling of Elon Musk saying, I've got so much money. Where else can I go that I haven't been before? Let's go to the moon. Let's go to, it's like, it almost feels novelty. Do you, hopefully the office of the president is, is a public service position. I know it's been distorted, but this um, very sort of smug millennial seems seems to to want to do it because it's the one thing he hasn't been able to do that his money's afforded him and it it reminds me of the the Ted Kennedy question that that aside from Chappaquiddick sank his his campaign mm-hmm. why should you be president why do you want to be president and it's this pause and you you be, because I deserve it because right. I'm rich because I'm and I don't know for as many uh, snappy answers as Vivek had, he was able to say why he even wants to do this very, very important, full of gravity, very, very important job. So, yeah, yeah, I think I think that's right. I, I don't think he made a case for himself. He made a case that he is smart. 
And clever, and, and clever. he was very entertaining. Exactly, and that he has a lot of ideas. He he did make that case, but he didn't make a case that 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 he should be the nominee. Now we're going to obviously get to talking about everybody specifically, but I thought before we got to that, we ought to talk about. And this is along the lines of when I was saying it was an absolute, it was a substantive, useful exercise mm-hmm. because there were several uh, topical areas where it is really clear that there are major differences of opinions mm-hmm. within the Republican party. And it was reflected by different positions on the stage. Um, and what was, what was sort of funny to me was to see the significant disagreements on things like Ukraine aiding Ukraine. That was one of the biggest areas of disagreement. Uh, there was a very lively disagreement about abortion policy. Mm-hmm. And then they were talking about education. And it's like everybody on this, everybody up there agree. Everybody up there has the same position on education. Everybody up there thinks, you know, the teachers unions are bad. We should abolish the department of education. So that was an area where it was kind of blah, you know, there really wasn't much going on, but boy, you have a very serious difference of opinion on whether we should continue to support Ukraine or not. And you had, um, who would we say was the most aggressively pushing or defending aid? Was it Nikki Haley who was most aggressively defending? Or Mike continued Pence, aid? maybe Nikki or or Chris Christie? I think yeah. he was okay. pretty he was pretty vehement as well. Mm-hmm. I would submit that Nikki Haley probably has more credibility in a foreign policy experience mm-hmm. uh, sphere about that. But um, I thought her argument about um, linking it to China was mm-hmm. particularly effective. Yeah. Um, so you, so you had Nikki Haley, you had Christie Pence, I think you mentioned, yes. um, who were all sort of very much lined up as it is our job as the leader of the free world to do whatever we can mm-hmm. to aid a country that's in the situation that Ukraine's in. And then you had Vivek who was making sort of the extreme opposite argument, really like bring everything home, uh, Pretty, he, he would probably reject the, the term isolationist, but I thought he was making a very isolationist argument. And and he tried to make the case that by our g- working with Ukraine, we've driven Putin into the hands of China. Yeah, uh, which makes no sense. Autocratics tend to tend to right, exactly, <laughs> flock together. Exactly. That, that uh, they 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 tend to do that. I would argue that to some extent, he has made the the response that has happened in Ukraine has made. Uh, Putin more dependent upon China. I think that's probably true, yeah. uh, but that's because he thought he was going to be able to go in and, and do it very quickly. Mm-hmm. But um, there, uh, I, I don't know that you've, what probably has happened more is that Putin has now become a, uh, a subset of China. I mean, in yeah. a sense, Putin's economy is a mess and right. other things. And whereas he was a large, largely stronger country, with some gravitas, I think he's lost an awful lot of that, and it has to depend upon China now. Yeah. So here, here's where I want to go with this. I'm I'm trying to lead this conversation into the conversation about the performance of the of the various mm-hmm. individuals. So on this Ukraine thing, you had a couple people on the stage making a strong argument for continued U.S. global leadership, essentially, right? And then you had people making the argument, no, 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 pull back, don't be involved, da 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 da. And Ron DeSantis is generally in that camp. But this is where I'm going with DeSantis. Trying to please both sides. Yeah. Don't, don't, didn't, didn't, and I think this is going to be a theme is 
DeSantis trying to please both sides or trying to be overly cute, and, right? So De- DeSantis was not taking the same position that Vive- Vivek was taking. Right. Um, but he, he doesn't want to come out and say, it's a wrong policy for us to be assisting Ukraine. Let them worry about it themselves. He doesn't want to come out and say that, but he also doesn't want to come out strongly defend the other side either. And I in, think- in doing that, I think he, he played a sort of beta role. He, the first thing he said was, Europe needs to do more. I don't know how much control we have over that. And then he pivoted straight to the border, which to me was a very transparent sort of um, low-hanging fruit conservative. Yeah, 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 right. Of course, we love that answer. We're, all of us are very concerned about the border. So Europe needs to do more. My question would be, what is your plan to have Europe do right. more? What does do more mean? Uh, what, what are those? And then he just went, Border, border. And then yeah. I thought his uh, terminology about drug pushers was sort of awkward. And it, it, I think, um, especially for someone who touts his um, military experience, he should have had a better, more concise answer for what do we do to engage Europe more? How, yeah. what, what are our answers about Ukraine? And you can't just pivot to the border. They're too completely separate issues. I understand yep. they're both financial, but they're separate issues. It, it, it may be that the DeSantis campaign has polling saying that that's how you score points. You know what I mean? But just listening to it, just from a purely policy standpoint, that was one of the examples of where I think DeSantis tried to, he tried to please both sides. But when you, and then you do this, like, instead of doing that, we should be doing this, which played into some of the more experienced people on the stage saying we can do more than one thing at a time. Yeah. And the other thing that I think to DeSantis playing both sides was the question of whether or not he supported Mike Pence in his decision. Yes, that's, and, mm-hmm. and I think I, I, read, I looked at several different reports, uh, analyses and so forth. They all picked up on this. They yeah. thought DeSantis you really lost it at that point because yeah. now you wouldn't, <clears throat> you spent so much time explaining how you want to move forward. All you had to do is say yes or no. And then you could talk about all you, how you wanted to move forward, but you just simply kept avoiding that a little later on. He sort of said, uh, uh I've, 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 yes, I have said that. And then he moved on. Well, he is kinda, this he, about the, the, whether or not the Mike election, the right right. Yes, yeah, okay, okay. yeah. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was DeSantis's weakest moment. Absolutely. Because, Again, and I, I, what I'm trying to go to is what I think is driving this is this desire to try to to try to exactly. not take a strong position, please everybody. He, and then he he was finally pressed. Was it Pence who was pressing him? So no, it wasn't Pence who was pressing him. So well, hard. Brett tried to. Yeah, and and, it, and he finally came up with this very lame look. I Mike Pence did his duty. I got no beef with Mike Pence or whatever. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's just too lame. And I yeah. think you saw other people on the platform, especially Chris, Chris Christie. Chris Christie yeah. had a very, he, he, he said, we don't need to begrudgingly say it was the right thing to do. We need to give him credit, which was to me a very statesmanly kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And also I, I don't have any beef with Mike Pence is sort of, a, you need to appear somewhat presidential. People already find you unlikable. Your charisma is in question. Yeah. Uh, using a term like beef is, is, you can do you can do better. It, it seemed it's sort weak. of it is. It's weak, it, isn't it's, it? it? I was, got no beef with you. Yeah, it, it was very passive. Yeah. And yeah. If you're trying to present yourself as the politician with courage to do what's right, then say something here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and again, to give DeSantis credit, he did have some strong moments. I mean, when he, he was when when he um when he was talking about the Soros funded prosecutors. 
mm-hmm. and he said, like, I'm the only one here on stage who's done anything about it. You right. know, I, I fired them or whatever. That right. was that was very strong. And he had a moment. I think he's strongest when he touts his success in Florida. And he made a comment about I think it was a subtle dig at Trump about the lockdowns and how Fauci mm-hmm. should have been fired. Yeah. And yeah. I think that was his way of saying I handled it differently in my state. Trump handled it differently federally and I think it was a mistake to to have locked down the country the yeah. way that we did and I that's effective because effective, if you yeah. look at his record as governor covid he handled covid as conservatives in a way that I think we yeah. appreciate so t- to me the three segments of the debate where you you kept seeing this dynamic at work was the Ukraine thing mm-hmm. it was they did Mike Pence do the right thing on January 6th and then the third area was was abortion so I've got the numbers on this. Okay. In terms of time, abortion, 7 minutes, 40, 54 seconds. Um, Donald Trump, 6 minutes, 50 seconds. Credentials, 6 minutes, 27. Education, 542. Border security, 532. I was a little surprised it was that low. Ukraine, 436. Crime, 427. Wow, that is not at all what I would have expected. <laughs> That's, That's very good to hear. I mean, yeah. it's very illuminating yeah. to hear. The economy, 416. Foreign Which policy, would, 413. And, of course, they started off with the economy, right? That right. was the whole lead-in from yeah. the Richmond, North of Richmond song and Bidenomics and all that kind of thing. Which I think the the starting it off with the song sort of, none of the candidates really took it and ran. I don't right. think they'd heard the song. I think if the audience hadn't heard it, it, it I think it was a miss for me. But I would I would have started with the economy and the border. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those yeah. would have been my, at least in the top realm. Yeah. So I started talking about the abortion as being the third biggest one. And then when you sh- showed the numbers, it had the, the top the number most, of yeah, minutes, the most right? Which is really interesting. And again, this was an area where I think you had, on the one hand, you had Mike Pence essentially taking the hardcore pro-life national position. Right. You had Nikki Haley, who I think did a remarkable job. I agree. Of talking about political reality. Essentially what they, they call the pragmatic position. It's just a recognition of reality. It's a recognition of what the consensus is in the country on abortion and the fact that you, you are so far from being able to get 60 senators to mm-hmm. you know do some sort of nat- natural prohibition. She, she was able to sort of meld um, the reality, the, the makeup of Congress um, with I think also it coming from a woman is important. Mm-hmm. And she also told a sort of personal story without going on and um, monopolizing too much of our time. But I think it, I think it's effective and gives a credibility point to, to a woman who has children mm-hmm. to talk about that issue. It, 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 it softens the, the sort of pro-life aspect about her yeah. difficulties with conceiving and all of yeah. that. I, I thought she was just masterful. I, th- I thought that was her. Cl- I thought her closing was masterful, but I thought the way she handled the abortion thing was masterful. And I think, frankly, it speaks to where people are, yep. and it speaks to where Republican voters are, and it also speaks to what you can do as a president. And you have so many people who say, "You elect me, and I'm going right. to do this." And we sit and think, "Well, you're not going to be able to get the votes for that. Right. You just, I, I might like what you want to do, but you're not going to be able to get the votes." She essentially sort of brought that out, and you do not have the votes for this. Yeah. And so promising all these things becomes a little bit 
over the top because you're not going to be able to do it. And this is one of the only areas where I can, even, even less than 24 hours later, this is one of the only areas I can remember anything about Doug Burgum. Because Burgum was making, he took the Constitution right. out of his pocket and he said it should be left to the states. Mm -hmm. um, now, but I, I, I'm, I have a mixed feeling about that because on the one hand, he's right, and I agree with that. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it's a good way to sort of not address the issue one way or the other. It's, by it's saying, kind of a cop-out, but you have the advantage of the Constitution enabling your cop-out. I agree with that. <laughs> but it, it's, it's a, I would have preferred he, he, he took a bit more of a stand of Nikki Haley, but he's right. It just allows him to say, this is just the Constitution, so I'm not yeah. going to. Now, I'm embarrassed to say I can't remember this. During the abortion decision, one of the candidates took the position that the Supreme Court did not just leave it to the states. They left it to the people, and so there is a proper role for the federal government. Mm -hmm. And one of the candidates, was it Tim Scott who made an argument that there should be a federal ban on abortion at some point? Was that Tim Scott? Oh, I think. Uh, I think. No. Okay, I must have that wrong. Okay. I th well, I think Mike Pence has, has stated that he thinks there should be a federal ban, or mm -hmm. at least one of them said at least fifteen weeks that they'd be willing to support fifteen weeks at yeah. the, at the at the uh, most or the least restrictive or something. Okay. And Nikki was one of those. Uh, Governor okay. Haley said fifteen weeks. I mean, that's that's kind of where. I mean, Mike Pence has the mantle as the pro life. I mean, nobody can sort of argue his credentials. Um, I, I think he's a lovely human and I hate to, to make yeah. this snide comment, but I don't think Tim Scott argued for anything. <laughs> yeah. When we, I think when we get to try to, yeah. in fact, we might as well it, go there. It, it was not Tim yeah. Scott we who must, argued for okay, anything so on start, abortion. Let's start talking about, you know, for lack of a better term, winners and losers. And you know, there, you don't have a, a clear winner and a clear loser come out of something like that. I mean, I think one way to look at it is who bettered themselves and who did not, mm -hmm. you know? And of course the dynamic coming in is, DeSantis is number two. That's the dynamic. Coming. In the polling. In the polling, right. And so for a lot of Republican voters are looking at DeSantis and they're saying, he's our best chance of getting past Trump. So if there's things I don't like about DeSantis, I'm willing to hold my nose, you know, in order, mm -hmm. in order to get, back, get past Trump. And so going into the debate, I was thinking that the big question of this debate is, does DeSantis go up from here or does he go down from here? And I'm interested in your thoughts. Let me start with Addy. I'm interested in your thoughts. Do you think DeSantis impressed last night, or do you think DeSantis disappointed? I don't think either. Okay. I, I think um, I think the the questions about him remain. I think he had a solid performance. You could tell he was working on certain things. I think there is, for lack of of better terms, a, a demeanor issue, a charisma issue. And that's the problem with debates versus polling versus mm -hmm. who's actually going to win. Yeah. I think Vivek won the night because he was more memorable. It doesn't mean he wasn't obnoxious or grating. DeSantis failed to make us feel like we knew him. Yeah. And um, he also failed to attack Trump. And I yeah. think if you're running number two to Trump, it was also telling, I think, with the other candidates on the stage they didn't seem to go after DeSantis very much, and you kind of go after the big dog. And I, I, I think if you're looking at, um, like Dr. Matthews said about uh, speaking time, yeah. So Pence spoke the most, followed by Vivek. I think DeSantis was four. Is that 
some something like that. He was down. He was down the list a little bit. But if you're if you're the runner up, people should be. And Trump's not there. People should be all over you. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things that I well, it might be that it might be that the reason that happened is that Vivek made himself a target. You know, because he he was he well, was then very why aggressive didn't and yeah. I mean, yeah. this was his moment to be the yeah. the alpha. Several of the political analysts said that that. Uh, DeSantis came in expecting to be the target since he had been the leading in the poll, but it didn't turn out that way. Yep. Ramaswamy ended up being more the target than yep. him. And that that surprised apparently DeSantis's people and a number of others who saw that happening and didn't really, didn't really see why that would have happened, but it did. Okay. So Addy, you, you think that DeSantis did not hurt himself, but he also didn't run away with it either. Like he would like to have. I don't think he distinguished himself in this. I think this was also a huge opportunity for him that he didn't necessarily take, in my opinion. Yeah. I think he, he's got this reputation of um, being brave and he's he's served in the forces and he's younger and he, he's got all these things. And he's trying to combat this likability issue. Um, and he just he couldn't he couldn't find his way to the middle and he should have fought a little harder. Um, especially against, frankly, a lightweight like Vivek. I mean, he, yeah. he's got a lot going for him, but policy-wise, I mean, DeSantis has been governor of a state that is in the national conversation more than almost as much as Texas. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, think <laughs> so, could, I think you could make the case that DeSantis had the most to lose in this because exactly. he was considered the number two. Mm-hmm. He's had three or four weeks of really bad press in terms of, you know, is he not likable? He didn't do this and so forth. So he needed to be able to, I think, sort of shine a bit. And I agree with that. I'm not sure he did. I don't think he really hurt himself, but he didn't He didn't come up and say, make up some lost ground that he's had. Because his, his poll numbers have been drifting down. Well, if you're the number two, like he is, mm-hmm. and if everybody comes out of the bait impressed with Nikki Haley, then you messed that's, up. That's why I say yeah. he, he had the most <laughs> so, to lose and he didn't really come back and achieve much. So yeah. that, that I think probably he was a loser in that sense. Yeah. And he, I, he seems to, he seems to be resentful of his slip in the polls and he seems to feel entitled. But if you are that, if you have the chip on your shoulder that you should have, why aren't you going after Trump? I mean, I think at a certain point the rubber needs to hit the road and, People need, if you want to be the nominee, Trump is killing you in the polls. Give us a reason to vote for you over Trump or don't. Otherwise, I'm completely bored and you're not. Yeah, I I don't think he gave us the reason. Exactly. No, I I think what Addie just said just completely, completely represents my take on this, which is why are you in the race if you're not trying to defeat Donald Trump? Are you just hoping that you're the guy standing around when Trump goes to jail? You know, I, what the hesitancy to criticize Trump and he, you know, he did a tiny little bit like on the, on the Fauci stuff and all that kind of thing. But this, this need he seems to have to appeal to Trump's base. I'm not a political strategist, but I think all the information we have seen about Trump's base is that they cannot be peeled away from Donald Trump. Yeah. So why are you trying to go after them? Why not go after the other 65%, you know? So to th- that my take on DeSantis was that is a core fundamental weakness and we saw it on display last time. Okay. So, you know, I know that for a lot of Republicans, a lot of conservatives, 
you know, Tim Scott would have been there, the next guy. I was hoping he'd really come up and shine on this. Okay. So I think Dr. Matthews, I'm with you. I'm exactly with you there. I thought he's the happy warrior thing. I know that people describe him that way. And he, he, he does inspire this sort of Reaganite optimism that is missing. And he just fell flat for me. I mean, he, the most memorable line for me was about, I talk slow because I'm from the South, which was very charming. But if you, if you can't counter that with, this is how I would handle Ukraine and this is how I would handle our budget issues. And this is how I would handle it. It just, it fell flat and he just, he needed to really make more of an impression and he didn't. And I think every, you can't attack Tim Scott. He's just too nice and likable of a Mm -hmm. guy. And so it's it's almost like he comes in with extra padding on that not everybody else has, but he he didn't do anything with it. In fact, yeah. his problem is not talking slow. His problem was that the only thing he could do is talk about how he grew up in a poor family. I mean, it's like all he can do is his bio, and that's I'm sorry, that's not enough. I, to me, that was the disappointment of the night. Is that it, it's 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 almost like there are some people when the spotlight is on them, they fade. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's how I felt. I felt like the spotlight was on him and he faded. And, and that's basically your take too. Dr. Yeah. I, I just don't think he came across. He didn't, I didn't come away saying, ah, now I have a reason to vote for Tim's. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or even he supports what I thought of him. Yeah. Your, your personal narrative is not the same thing as your pitch to lead the country. Yeah. They're two different things. Yeah. If, if he were the only guy on the stage, we'd all be very happy to vote for him. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Okay. Let's go to Vivek. Mm-hmm. Ramaswamy, right? Okay, so I've learned how to pronounce this last night. Okay. I had not paid much attention to him until last night. I mean, I was aware, you know, but I had not paid much attention to him last night. I had the impression that he's a, just a really bright guy with a head full of ideas and very aggressive, and I succeeded in the business world, so I can succeed at everything else too, okay? I did not have a negative view of him. I didn't take him seriously, but I did not have a negative view. I came away from last night detesting him. (laughs) I came away from that debate actively detesting him. He is smug and glib and arrogant and insulting. He was insulting. I thought he was a little misogynist toward Nikki Haley. Yeah. I just, I came away in my book, in my book, he is detestable after last night. And I, don't know, I can't be the only one. I don't know that I would go to detestable, but I came away. <laughs> that is strong. Let's I know, just but... say not liking him at all. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it, to me, this, it just looks like a kid up there who's done well financially and he's jumped into something he doesn't know much about. He does a good job of, of communicating in some ways, but yeah as he was on the attack using slurs against these people who are yeah. very good. More accomplished than he is. Much more accomplished than he is, at least in the political realm, and have had to make tough decisions. So I came away thinking, oh, my goodness. I just, I, and I, I like your thought about if you think Trump is that great, why are you, why are why you, are you doing this? Him? So I was listening, so, before we came over to record our podcast, I was listening to the Three Martini Lunch, which is a podcast that's done by National Review. And one of the hosts said, that his wife and his wife and he were watching the debate. And he said, the guy says, 
90 seconds after Vivek started talking, his wife just started muttering, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> she was done. She did the first couple minutes out of his mouth and she was done. And I, I think, I have to think, he may have raised himself in the polls just because of visibility. Like you were talking about, Addy, it's almost like, you know, even bad press is good press or whatever. He may have gained visibility, but I think he had to have turned off an awful lot of people. Well, just on that point, there was a poll done, and it was 504 registered Republicans done right after the election. Hmm. 28% gave, uh, said Ramaswamy won versus 27% for DeSantis. And then it goes down to 13% for Mike. So in that poll, in that poll, he got the highest. He got the highest just wow. by a percentage point, but just. He was certainly the most visible, but mm-hmm. I, I, I think he, he, I took away from it. He, every one of us knows someone like him, <laughs> whether we've run into them in the cafeteria in between debate trials or model UN. I mean, this is why Twitter is so perfect, but we've all met a guy like him. And yeah. as a, as a fellow millennial, he, he gives tech bro vibes kind of to mm-hmm. me it's just sort of like he needs a fleece vest and not in a glenn youngkin <laughs> way he just it, it, it's this oh oh i went to high school with you and yeah. i didn't like you then and it, it i know you can suck the oxygen out of the room but it, it doesn't do much to to solve anything well, when, you, when you were talking the word that came into my mind was cocky yeah, that yeah. He, he's he's very arrogant he's yeah. very but, yes absolutely but at his point and i thought it was a very good point when she said we all know somebody like this, we all know people who have started out from modest beginnings and made a lot of money, mm-hmm. millionaire, multimillionaires or billionaires. And for some reason, when they do that, they send, they tend to think, I know everything. I'm the smartest person in the room. You all ought to listen to me because I know what I'm doing. And uh, it, it just, it comes, it's a real p- turnoff to me when, when, not just with him, but with other people when we see, you know, we, yeah. we know people who are wealthy people well, sure. who come in and that's just how they are. I and don't think he, the wealth is really the issue, but I think when, when Addy said he comes across as a tech bro, that triggered something for me because <laughs> I don't know if that's fair to tech. Bros but, 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 but I think this is worth, worth drilling down on for a second because we are past peak tech bro. I mean, there was a time when we were elevating these Silicon Valley company starters and innovators, we, we were elevating them, right? Yeah. Where the the, the, th- the people that we thought the highest of were the Elon Musks and the Mark Zuckerbergs and the Peter Thiels and all these people. That's not the attitude. Anymore. No, no. They're, they're, the, the, we they're passed, on the downside now. We have now. passed peak tech bro. Yeah. And so if that's his appeal, we're on the downside of that curve. Well, he, he, he just is insufferable. And if you put him next to Mike Pence, who I thought, did demonstrate some fierceness that is sort of uncharacteristic of Mike Pence, but we all know this person, but he, he just comes off as snide. And I just look at whatever you think of Mike Pence. He's Mike Pence has put in his time. He's worked for think tanks. He's run a state. He's who are, who are you? Who are, what do you, what do you have to, to offer us? And when I mention the money, it's not because there are wealthy people who are humble, genuine people. And we know some of them. But the person who sort of starts out, makes a bunch, and feels like that has given them some kind of inside, in, in, inside insight into everything, and the, just listen to me because I understand this. I've got this all down. I, I just think he's got some growing to do. Well, there are, there are I, I'm very sympathetic right now with some other folks, and maybe it's other folks my age, I don't know, 
who you watch a debate like that and you come away with an impression, like the impression I came away with Vivek. And then you find out that in a poll, he won the debate. Mm -hmm. And it really makes you think, I am no longer a good gauge of the average Republican voter. You know what I mean? I, I, I simply no longer have the ability. I do not represent the typical Republican. Voter. And, and it doesn't surprise me at all that he came across because as Addie said, he's entertaining. Mm -hmm. He, he makes points. He gets a lot of time. And there's an awful lot of people who, when they see that, they think that's, that's who won the debate. Yeah. He was certainly sparkly, but I think, and maybe we pivot at this point to how does that translate to, does this make a difference? Does this make a yeah, dent? What yeah. does this look like in the primary? Because I, I don't, I, I think the, the, I think the people that might be really impressed with Vivek or taken with him are not necessarily um, loyal primary voters. Yeah. But we should, should make a mention because who I, the one I thought did the best. Okay, can we say one more thing about okay. Vivek first? Sure. You know, there's that expression, show horse or workhorse or something yeah. like mm -hmm. that. And you, you said he came across, what did you say, shiny or sparkly or something like sparkly. that? Sparkly. <laughs> I, I do think he comes across as a as a show horse. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's one of the questions is, is that what voters are looking for? You know, because that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody who has got experience and has demonstrated an ability to do the job and takes the job seriously and, and maybe has a few more years on him. You but know? there's also not room for two show horses. Right, right. Uh, Trump is a show horse. See, we've already thing. we've already got a show horse. <laughs> he's Trump. like Vivek is like a show right. miniature pony or something. Like we're good. But we don't we're, need him. We're fine. We don't need a mini me Trump. No. You know what I mean? We already have Trump. I if mean, if you that's wanted, what you want. If you want that, Trump is there. So I'm I would have I, to use that. He's Trump. He's trying to be mini me to Trump. I'm going to have to use that somehow. The okay. So you wanted to go on. I to, do want to say that I, I think um, Nikki Haley probably, in my opinion did better than I had anticipated. I and agree, I thought totally. she came across strong, knowledgeable, forceful. It just, it, I came away thinking of, of these people who I, my estimation rose in, it was Nikki. I had her as, as my, as my winner. Mm -hmm. And that has nothing to do with amount of time she had or whatever, but is what she did with her time. I don't think she missed a beat. I don't think she ever got anything wrong. I think she was strong and forceful when the time came to be strong and forceful. She did not back down when some, when some man was trying to talk over her because mm -hmm. that happened several times. Vivek did it. Um, I, I can remember a couple instances where it was like, you know, literally it was like the man just trying to talk over her and she didn't back down. Right. I thought she came across as strong, sensible experience. I, I do think the strongest line of any candidate was when she's, told Vivek that he's lacking foreign policy experience. And it shows. shows. Yes. I thought that was very strong. I thought she, and I'm encouraged because, you know, four years ago, I would have had Nikki Haley as one of my three or four favored candidates. And so I'm encouraged because it's like until last night, when people wanted to talk about Nikki Haley, they were talking about why hasn't she? Yeah, we haven't seen anything. Why hasn't she lit things up? Why hasn't she caught fire? So I'm encouraged there's there's a possibility that maybe last night was the beginning of that. So we all three think what she did the most with the most time? the most substance, I would say she mm -hmm. didn't have any. And I think as a woman, she's not afforded these. She can't be cute. Mm -hmm. She didn't. She wasn't right. able to insert a, a cute one liner. It's just not everything she said was full of substance yeah. and, and and was backed with experience. And I think that's important. I she think, also did not make the Tim Scott 
mistake of relying too much on your bio, on your backstory. She, she got it in yeah. there. She talked about. She talked about her husband mm-hmm. and all of that. But talked about her husband. Talked about her kids. Talked about her problems conceiving. Talked about the fact that she was an accountant. You know, but she didn't just keep going back to the same old song yeah. like Tim Scott kept doing. I, I think the point is that generally, from our standpoint, most of the Republican candidates there, I would say, underperformed, or at least held, held steady or underperformed. Whereas Nikki, to me, seemed to overperform a little bit. I came away thinking, ah, that was better than I expected. I think that's. I agree completely. It, it, it was the, the right balance of applying what she knows and her experience, which I think she, she's got a lot of in that way. But um. All right, so let's move on to um, a couple of the other noteworthies. Let's talk about Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. Turned out he got more speaking time than any of us expected. Um, he did end up becoming a topic in and of himself. Did you do the right thing on January 6th? Yes. Other candidates praised him mm-hmm. for that. So, you know, you know, Dr. Arthur, you and I know Mike Pence, you know, you knew him well, right? Yeah. Um, he's got the experience. He's got the breadth of experience. He's got serious policy. Probably jobs. the most qualified person to be president who probably won't be. He has the temperament, but I, I, and I have to say this was, this is not original to me. I heard somebody else say this this morning, and that is that Mike Pence represents pre-2016 Republican Party. Mm-hmm. He is he represents the Republican Party before Donald Trump came came down the escalator, the Republican Party that that we are all fond of, that won presidential elections, that's who he represents. And the problem is this ain't that party anymore. Yeah. And it's just hard to see how he could possibly succeed despite the fact that he's probably, if there's such a thing as deserving, he's probably the most deserving. And he would do a great job, I think, Absolutely. if he were. Yeah, but I mean, if you could just appoint somebody, you'd probably appoint him. You've, you've got you've to win votes from the post-Trump uh, yeah. party. Yeah, and, and I have to say something. I just want to touch this lightly. Um, you know, I'm a Christian. Mike Pence is a Christian. I think he hit it too hard and too often. It's mm-hmm. like he's running for the nomination of, of the evangelical movement. Yep. Not. You're not running for president of the Southern Baptist Convention. You're running for president. And I, I have to think if, if it got a little under my skin, it probably really got under the, kind of the skin of the people who don't share my religious perspectives and my religious beliefs. So mm-hmm. I, I think he overplays that. What do you think? I think it was strategic toward Iowa, but I think mm-hmm. that's too specific of an audience for yeah. him to have hit it that hard on the national Fox yeah. News sta- mm-hmm. stage and also you can win Iowa and lose the whole shebang. Yeah. It's, yeah. But as it, Ted it, Cruz did. It, as know. Ted Cruz yeah. did. It, it does, you know, it, it, it can get under your skin, but it, Mike Pence has never been a phony Christian, right. at least in my book. So right. it, it at least doesn't grade on me mm-hmm. that way. Okay. Um, right. I, I at least know he, he believes in yeah. what yeah. he says. He, or, he comes across as completely sincere. Right. Um, and I think he is. Okay, let's talk about Christy. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, going into the debate, Everybody was, you know, ready for Chris Christie to just basically just be mowing people down. He was the big brawler. I mean, and he had that moment with Marco Rubio. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was going to, I was honestly underwhelmed with his attack dog instincts. I mean, I thought he had a couple of good um, hits. The chat GPT thing against Vivek was, I think, funny and 
apt. Well, and, and right after that comment was when he literally physically turned his body toward Vivek and said, I've had about enough. <laughs> I thought, yeah, maybe he'll deck him, maybe right, not. Right, right, and, right. and that's the Christie we wanted, but we got maybe 5% of that. And he had a, a good quippy moment when um, they asked him the absurd question about UFOs. I yeah. thought that <laughs> that question belonged to nowhere. Question. <laughs> there was so much better use of those. Why would we? Than, yeah. Than and he rightly was rolled his eyes at yeah. it. But I don't think he did enough with his time. And he's um, an aggressive and assertive enough individual to have been able to find his his openings mm-hmm. in that debate. And I don't think he did it enough. I weirdly thought that Chris Christie came across as more presidential. And maybe that's what he was trying to do. I've never seen him do yeah, before. Yeah. And I think maybe he was purposely restrained. Maybe he didn't want to play to type. Everybody that's expects me to come out here attacking people. He struck me as serious, prudent. He went out of his way to compliment Pence. You know what I mean? So I came away last night thinking if Chris Christie ended up president of the United States, I'd be perfectly happy yeah, with that. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. And and he, he stressed that he was able to win in a blue state. Yeah. And win re-election in yeah, the state. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what? Of all the people up there, he is the only one who has ever taken on the teachers' union. Mm-hmm. Remember? Because they had a huge budget fight. They had like a budget shutdown and everything in New Jersey over teacher union stuff. And his, quickly, his rebuke of Vivek when um, he criticized his hug with Obama. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought he had a really good answer for that. Yes. Again, um, but I, I was sort of expecting him to give Vivek you know, a wedgie or something or shove his head (laughs) in a locker. (laughs) Okay. So we talked at the beginning about the fact that Trump wasn't there and that Mm. set the tone. There was a, they did devote a segment to Trump. And it was specifically the whole, did Mike Pence do the right thing on January 6th? Nikki Haley. And again, to her credit came out very forceful, forcefully on this idea that Donald Trump is the most unpopular politician in America, and he cannot win a general election. And I think Christie made the same point. Not everybody was willing to do that. DeSantis isn't willing to do No, no. Okay? But it, it strikes me that this is the fundamental thing that Republican voters have to come to terms with. And they haven't. And they haven't. And so I, I came, this morning, actually, when I, when I got up and I was sort of thinking back on the debate, this was my primary takeaway, is... The Republican Party has got to come to terms with the fact that Donald Trump cannot win a general election. And how long is it going to take to come to terms with that? No matter how, no matter how fond you are of Trump, no matter how much you like the accomplishments of that administration, it ain't going to happen. And you you saw this in that post-debate spin where um, uh, Ryan's Priebus and Kellyanne Conway we're talking, it seemed to be talking about how Trump could win. And I'm sitting here thinking, the only way I think Trump could win is if there's a third party candidate who siphons off a good chunk of the Biden vote, then he might win. But other than that, people, look at, you think, look at how popular he is. Well, he's popular with 20 or 30% of the people. He's really popular. They aren't going to vote for anybody else right. if, they, if, if they can vote for him. But that's, that does not win you an election. It, it wasn't the sexiest comment of the night, but I thought it was the most important, at least for me, when Nikki Haley said he he will not win in a general. Right, right. And there's been polls that say people care more about electing a primary candidate who aligns with their values over someone who is electable. And I don't know how that computes with us as a nation having Joe Biden as president again. Right. It's mm-hmm. not an option. And so we have to, I would submit that we would, 
we would do well to think more about how we beat Joe Biden. So, so you know, Addie, you were you were talking a little bit off off air about what happens next. You know? Yes, next steps. And, you know, what I would hope is that the next debate, whenever that is, I don't even remember if it's September. September. Okay. I would hope the next debate actually takes that to the next level. That, okay, we've introduced this idea at the first debate that there are several of us here on this on the stage, major candidates, who are telling you Donald Trump cannot defeat Joe Biden. And I would ex- I would like to see, and I would expect maybe at the next debate, that actually gets sort of pounded on. And maybe maybe that's how it starts to get through to people. There's all these people on the stage telling you he can't win. And, you know, the, 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 the irony here is almost any Republican candidate can beat Joe Biden except for Donald Trump. This is, the, this is the thing I was expecting someone to say last night that no one said. I was expecting at some point someone would say, any one of us on this stage could beat Joe Biden, mm-hmm. but Donald Trump can't. And, and no one was that gracious, you know. But I think it's true. I think anybody on that, well, maybe not Vivek, but. Well, we've got governors, <laughs> we've got senators, we've got foreign policy experts, we've got businessmen, we've got, uh, this is a this is a very robust field. Yep. It, it's doable, mm-hmm. but not if, if you're, and Donald Trump doesn't have any incentives to debate in September. So we're not going to hear from him again. I think yep. that's probably right. Yeah, it would almost be an acknowledgement that he made a mistake. If he didn't show up at the first and one and then showed up at the second if one. If I were his campaign person, I I would say you didn't make a mistake. Yeah. You just yeah. let them. Yeah. And, and that's what he said on Twitter. He said he think he was right and not going. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we went a little longer than usual today, but there was a lot to talk about. So mm-hmm. I, I, I hope those who are listening to this podcast have enjoyed at least hearing our thoughts on the debate. We'd love to hear your thoughts as well. You can go to our website and you can find our email addresses, unfortunately. So, so you could you could tell one of us off if you strongly disagree. You can go to our website and you can sign up and you can get notices of all of our new content, new podcast episodes, and, uh, and uh, upcoming events. And that website is ipi.org, ipi.org. I want to thank Addie Crimmins and Meryl Matthews for being with us on the podcast today. Hope you've all enjoyed it. If you did, How about giving us a favorable review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform? You could also help to sponsor these podcasts by becoming a member of IPI's Giving Society, which you can find out more about at our website. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.